Our scripture today is taken from 1 Peter 1, verse 13 to 25. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have been purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass and all their glory is like flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, Let's pray for Vic as he comes to preach today. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, for um, you to speak your word of truth and life through Vic today. Lord, this is such a wonderful scripture, Lord, and such an important issue, holiness. And we as a church, Lord, want to be a holy people. So we ask that you would take the scales from our eyes today, unblock our ears, and take the veil from our hearts, and grant us the grace to hear your word, Lord, and become that which you have always called us to be, a holy people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, my love. He is my husband. (laughs) Doru, it's true (laughs) Yeah, I I don't kiss everybody who prays for me (laughs) Yeah, only the one I'm licensed to, yeah, that's right Mark will be pleased to know I'm setting a timer So when when you hear the little bells ringing It's to tell me to stop I'd just like to thank Robin this morning for choosing such a fabulous piece of music before I preached. Take my life and let it be. I mean, you know, holiness. You've read it. Okay, I can go now. (laughs) Um, We might have a first today, guys. You you know it's... No, we won't. I've been prayed for. It's all right. We almost had a first today. You know, it's not uncommon for a preacher to notice somebody fall asleep during the sermon. You were in danger of seeing the preacher fall asleep during the sermon today. And it's all their fault. (laughs) Barry, Brian and Linda had us up at 5 a.m., two days running, helping them move house. 
Five o'clock. Oh my God. It's, it's a God. I'm used to getting up at five o'clock with the prayer call, but usually I go back to sleep. <laughs> so it's all right. Lots of people have prayed for me. I will not fall asleep. And if, my, if I do, my wife will come and give me a jolt. Okay, so this section carrying on 1 Peter. It's a section that's about holiness, hope, and the enduring word of God. So I want to focus on the holiness bit. Um, so I'll just mention the hope and the enduring word of God. Um, you'll see it in the scripture there. Our hope is in Jesus Christ alone. There is no other. So everything that we're going to learn today about holiness or be reminded today about holiness depends on the one hope, Jesus Christ. It's through the grace of God that we are holy, not through works. So we'll be looking at that holiness in a few moments. And the thing we can rely on is the enduring word of God. God said, be ye holy as I am holy. That's his word. Enduring means it doesn't end. His word is eternal. So if he said, be ye holy, I love the uh, old English version of this, by the way. I'm going to ignore the new international. It misses out on some of the rich language. Um, I'm going with the, the old English version. Be ye holy. If you read it in the NIV, it says, be holy. That sounds like a suggestion. Read it in the King James. Be ye holy. In modern English, that was you be holy. A command. Can you, can you hear the difference? Be holy. Ye be holy. Bit of a difference. So it's a command of God and his word endures forever. So through his ability, his power, we will be holy. Now, I met a guy in England who was a new believer and uh, told me he was holy. He was a new believer, bless him. <laughs> he, he also told me he was perfect because it said so in the Bible. Um, bless him, bless his heart. I think he will be eventually, but I believe we're all on a journey towards holiness. So what we're going to hopefully bring out today is how we do this, how holiness occurs. So let's start with the words. Holy, um, in the English form, it comes from German, heilig. And in the Bible, you'll see it in two different languages. In the Greek, it is uh, hegios, and in the Hebrew, it's kadosh. I like the kadosh one. It sounds like I'm being soaked in it. Kadosh. <laughs> yes, please, more kadosh. <laughs> Isn't that better than Heiliger? <laughs> I think so, or holy. Okay, so they're the origins of the word, but what does holy mean? Now, the, um, the reason... We're going to go over this, and you probably think, I know what holy is. Well, we do, don't we? But it's one of those words, certainly in the church, that we use all the time. And we sing about holiness and God's holiness. But because we use it all the time, sometimes words lose their impact, their importance. So I want to just go through it again so we remember what holiness is and how it becomes, how we become holy. So... Here's the word, holy in English, and you'll be familiar with this word, sacred. Sacred is part of what holiness is about. Consecrated, that's getting us closer to some understanding of what holiness is. 
separated. Now we're beginning to see this coming from the same word, holy. Dedicated. Sacred, consecrated, separated, dedicated. Hopefully those words will begin to give you an insight into what true holiness is. We have it in things like a holy God. What do we mean by a holy God? He is holy compared with us and with everything around us. It means he is separate. He is apart from. He is completely different from us. We are the created. He is the creator. He was never created. He isn't dependent on anybody. Nobody made him. Nobody birthed him. He is uncreated, has lived forever, and will live forever. And there's only one like him. Everything else comes from him. Even the angels who are eternal were created by him. So that's why we use this term holy. He's not like us. He is very different from us. He is very separate from us. So that's in terms of who God is. But then he says, you be holy as I am holy. I don't know about you, but when I was a, a new believer, I thought, whoa, that's a big ask. <laughs> Me be holy? How can I be holy? Well, he says that I can. So we need to explore how. So let's take a look. Set your minds on things above, not on the earth. So I've just put this together as this is the world down below, which is where we dwell. And this is just kind of a vague image of holiness because that's where holiness is in our minds. It's a kind of vague thing. But this is heaven above. This is earth below. And while our minds are totally engaged with the world, we are not holy. If we set our minds on things above i.e. things of God, things of heavenly, then we are available to become holy. It's where our mind is. So this is what was actually said. Peter is quoting from Leviticus. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves and you shall be holy for I am holy. So here's our first clue to how we get to holiness. Consecration. We had that word a few moments ago and other words associated with it. So just remind yourselves what those words were. Consecrate, dedicate, separate. They were all parts of holiness. And we have a role to play in this. Consecration. We have to dedicate ourselves to God. We have a holy Bible. Why is it holy? It's the word of God. So it's separate from other words, separate from other books. It's different completely from other books because it's written under the inspiration of God himself. We are required to do the same thing as that Bible. Separate ourselves from all that the world would have us believe and instead believe what God says. The truth of that Bible, the truth of what God says is how we consecrate ourselves. We set ourselves apart, dedicate ourselves to him who is truth, not to the world and all its nonsense. If you look in Leviticus, you'll see that 
um, this phrase is repeated a number of times. And usually when the Bible repeats itself, it's trying to get our attention. So here it is again, Leviticus 20. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, again, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. And then it goes a step further. Clue two. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So we had consecrate yourselves, and I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So sanctification, it's another of those words that we use. This is the process of becoming holy. So we've got a two-stage process here. You consecrate, and I sanctify. There's a great encouragement in there for us. It's that partnership with God that we're called to. We do something and he does something, whoa, much bigger. All he asks us to do is consecrate, dedicate ourselves to him. He will do the rest. So we don't have to work at this thing and say, you know, how do I make myself more holy? What do I do? It's easy. Remember, consecrate. What does that mean? Dedicate, separate. Got you some quotes here from um, some people far more illustrious than myself. Um, For those of us not from England, Samuel Lucas um, was a a Christian abolitionist in the UK. He was also a journalist, and his wife was start uh, a start of the whole process for emancipation of women. So he goes back a little while, eighteen hundreds, I believe. Um, And this was his statement about holiness: the essence of true holiness consists in conformity to the nature and will of God. So we get another clue in this, the nature and will of God. So if we conform ourselves to God's nature and to his will, we're becoming holy. So ask yourself this, what is God's nature? We should all have a few clues. They're written in his book, (laughs) Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. That's just part of it. That's the fruit of the spirit. And God is spirit. So if that's his fruit, that's his nature. So if we conform ourselves to that nature, the nature which is God, we know we are moving towards holiness. And there's a second part to this one, the will of God. So do you know the will of God in your life? If you don't, I'll take you back to the start and we'll start again. It says, be holy as I am holy. Do you remember that bit? That's the will of God for you. Okay. Be holy as I am holy. So we know his will and We should know his nature, and the more time we spend with him, the more of his nature we'll know. We got a great clue from our friend from Romania today. The nature of God is to love and to bless, especially those who need it. Okay, thank you, Samuel Lucas. Some of you may recognize this name, again, an Englishman, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Um, He was known as the Prince of Preachers. And many of us read lots of his stuff because he was the Prince of Preachers. And this was his view. Holiness is the architectural plan 
upon which God builds up his living temple. So we are the stones, the living stones of his temple. God is building us up as his temple and his plan for us that he's working from is, guess what? Holiness. So if we are becoming holy, we know we're also within the will of God because we're part of this plan that he has for us to become this temple of living stones. So the more and more that each one of us moves in the direction of holiness, the more beautiful the temple becomes, the more complete the temple becomes. And God has promised that he will dwell in this temple that is us, these living stones. One final one. Had to go to the old enemy for this, the French. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) I repent, Lord. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's an English thing, okay. (laughs) You didn't get invaded by them, okay. (laughs) So, (laughs) Blake, that was a year or two ago, yeah. You've got an excuse. You got invaded by us, okay? <laughs> Blaise Pascal, for those who don't know, uh, French Christian, uh, theologian, uh, and far more, if you want to read about the guy. Amazing guy. And a Frenchman, too. Um, so this was his view. I love this one. The serene, silent beauty of a holy life is the most powerful influence in the world next to the mighty spirit of God. Yes. I know that at least a couple of people in our congregation today who enjoy the serene, silent beauty of a holy life. And I commend it to you because as it says here, it's the most powerful influence on the world. It's not our preaching. It's not our teaching. It's the way we live our lives that makes the difference. Thank you, Blaze. So, holiness begins right here in the mind. If we don't transform our thinking, our actions will never be transformed. There is little point in going with the program. Like, I'm I'm not knocking the program, okay? What would Jesus do? It's a great idea. It's all about actions based on Jesus' past behaviors. But I'm saying that if you don't make changes up here to your thinking, this program is going to make no difference in your life. It's all based on actions and not based on heart and mind. If you want to change your behavior, you have to begin here in the mind. Jesus knew this. Holiness begins here. It says in the passage, it kind of Peter points us to our past lives. Every single one of us here in our past was not Christian. Some of us became Christian earlier in our lives than others. I was quite late. (laughs) Took a lot of sanctification. (laughs) Um, So all that past stuff that we had was really based on the world around us. I was quite blessed in my generation in that we used to go to church A lot of the youngsters don't get that opportunity these days, especially in England. Um, It just isn't part of the culture anymore. So I was brought up by a godly family and taken to church every Sunday. So I got the word of God 
Most kids nowadays don't get that at all. So I had a good start, but I didn't do anything with that. I then went from church at the age of 17 into the world because I had the opportunity to do so, and I couldn't wait to get there like most people. So I had a lot of my life spent in the world doing what the world says. And that means the ways of my thinking were formed mostly by the world and not by the word of God. But when I became a believer, I still had all of those ways in my head because the habits that were formed over 40 years of living. The next step is transformation of the mind. And it's the word of God and time spent with God that will make the difference to our minds. So just an advisory. What goes on in here usually comes from here and here. So what we see and what we hear determines what we think. So you might want to consider the things that you're watching, reading, listening to. Do they conform to the mind, the nature, the will of God? Or are they formed by the world? I came out of England. I used to teach in a university there. And I think there may have been three or four Christians in that university. Huge university. Uh, I'm talking about the staff, not the students. Most of the people in that university were secular humanists. And that's where most people in my country are right now, secular humanism. And it's a, a belief system that says there is no God, but man is inherently good. And if we get together, we can do good things. It's based on two lies. First, there is no God. Sorry, guys, you're wrong. There is. And he's going to hold you accountable. The second one is that man is inherently good. Can anybody recall what Jesus said about mankind? <laughs> something about, uh, yeah, something about evil hearts. And he didn't trust them. He didn't trust himself to man. It wasn't that he didn't love mankind. He just knew the evil that is in the heart of man. So I think that second idea that the humanists work on is also a flaw. Uh, man is not inherently good. Man is bent towards evil since the fall. So if you haven't got the influence of God because you think he doesn't exist and you think you can do it yourself as mankind, I think you're heading for another fall. There's nothing in it. It's empty theology. Proverbs 23, 7. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks in his heart, heart here, read mind. As we think in our mind, so are we. Isn't that true? Whatever we think, we do. So the more we focus on things above, on God and his ways, the more our actions will reflect it. That's our walk of holiness. That's the direction we're heading in. Now, I've got this one for you because the English translation that I use, the old King James version, at the very start, it says to gird up the loins of your mind. 
And I think by leaving that out, the NIV loses something absolutely amazing in the imagery. So I've given you an image of what it means to gird up your loins. <laughs> okay, ladies, I got one for you as well. <laughs> <laughs> It's not just for the guys, okay? So let me show you how this applies to our minds. When you talk about girding up your loins, there is a purpose. The purpose is preparation for action. So what is the chap here or the lady here doing? These are all loose material that are going to hinder you if you're going to try and run and fight. Um, somebody tripped over somebody's dress this morning, Robin. <laughs> Amazing excuse. Robin's standing up here, his, his wife's standing down there, and then he throws himself into her arms and claims he tripped over her dress. Come on. <laughs> Thank you, Robin. You've just given me a new excuse. <laughs> I'll try it out later, okay? <laughs> but what happened there was exactly what happens. If you've got long flowing clothes, you're likely to kind of trip over them if you suddenly try and move into action. You cannot do it securely and safely. So what happens is you gird up your loins. You get all this loose stuff and tie it up so you can run and fight. How does that apply to the mind? Loose thoughts. Loose material, loose thoughts. So what God is saying through Peter here is, if you want to be holy, starts in the mind, and the first thing you want to apply it to is your loose thoughts, because they're going to trip you up. So we need to be girding up the loins of our mind. Every time we have these loose thoughts running ragged in our head, we need to say, hey, stop. That's not the word of God. This isn't going to empower me. This isn't going to bless the others around me. This isn't going to bless my father. These thoughts are not worthy. Tie them up, get them out of the way. Um, there's a, a discipleship program in England um, that some of you may have encountered that has a, a similar notion to this. It talks about uh, you as being with your mind like an air traffic controller. And thoughts are like aeroplanes circling, waiting to land. Who gives them permission to land? You do. So you've got all of these thoughts that are going around that might be coming out of your own mind or coming out of somebody else's mind, coming from the enemy. These things are all circling, trying to land on your runway. And you're the idiot who's going to say, OK, come on in. <laughs> Time for you to land. No way. You're in control. You've got a thought up there that is not of God. Then you just say to it, I'm not having you. You don't have permission to land. Go land somewhere else. Okay? That was the bonus for free. <laughs> so, girding up our thoughts. I'm going to finish with the partnership that's going on here. I've tried to describe it as a partnership between us and God. We have something to do. He has something to do. Can anybody tell me, does anybody hear, what's our part in this? Yes, yeah, somebody was listening. Thank you. What was God's part in this? Sanctification. Did everybody get that? 
We consecrate, that means setting our thoughts and our actions aside for him, dedicating ourselves to him, and he sanctifies us. His is the big job. Ours is the easy one. We just say, okay, it's all yours. This part of my life. So what part of my life? Well, we started with the thoughts, and the thoughts lead to the actions. So what's next? Everything. So your daily life, just think about it for a moment. You get up, you go to the bathroom, shower, wash, brush your teeth. Give it to God. You're his, and he's interested in every part of your life. So when you're going, getting up for the first thing in the morning, going to the bathroom, dedicate that to God. It suddenly becomes holy. It's different. It's not the daily routine it used to be. It's an encounter with God. Next step is to go to breakfast. Make yourself some breakfast, sit down, start to eat. No, dedicate it to God. I'm going to consecrate this part of my life too. This is for God as well. Why not? I'm his child. Doesn't dad want to spend time with me at breakfast? Of course he does. Dedicate it to him. Everything you do, everything you say, everything you think. You won't think of all of these things in one go. It's a journey we're on. But begin to think about them now. From today, start thinking about them. You're doing something. You're in the middle of something. You're having a a chat with a friend, having a coffee. In the midst of that, a little reminder from God. Am I involved? Wow, you should be if you're not. I'm going to dedicate it to you. I'm going to consecrate this time with my friend to you. It's yours. You do with us in our conversation whatever you want to do. Because it's your time and I'm yours. And gradually over days, weeks, months, years, your life will begin to be consecrated to God. Fully every element of it. And as you do that, he is sanctifying it. That's how we become holy. We consecrate, he sanctifies. It's a partnership. And this is what it looks like. This is somebody's depiction of Moses at the burning bush. And here's little old us down at the bottom. And all we're doing is consecrating ourselves And look at the power and the glory that's coming from above. It puts it into perspective. It's a partnership with God. We do a little, and he does all of this. Sanctifying our lives by fire. Great image. Let me pray, and I've finished in under 30 minutes, Mark. Father, I just want to thank you that it's your purpose that we should be holy. And it's not just your desire, it's your will. And you will achieve your will. It's not something that's up for negotiation. You have always been and will always be holy. So, Lord... We ask you now to send your Holy Spirit to empower us to be holy, to guide us in your ways. 
Help us to choose holiness in our thinking and in our actions, moment by moment, day by day, that we too might become completely consecrated to you, just as our Lord Jesus is. Amen.